social ladies. All the 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 social ladies. Now put your phones up. Welcome to All the Social Ladies with CEO of Likeable Media, Carrie Kerpin. Because if you're social, then you really should be tweeting less. If you're social, then you really could be leading less. You can't let what people say it's so mysterious. Because you're social, you're a leader and you're serious. Now, Carrie Kerpin. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of All the Social Ladies. Today, it is my distinct pleasure to introduce you to Petra Niger. Petra is Senior Director of Marketing Communications at Polycom. Prior to joining Polycom, she oversaw a team that managed digital, social, and traditional communications at Siemens Healthcare, as well as holding several social and digital marketing positions at Cisco, which is definitely known as as one of the leaders who really started um, social business strategies. She led social business at Cisco and was responsible for initiatives to deepen and broaden social capabilities, drive participation, and scale social media through employee and customer engagement. Now, Petra's also a big-time award winner. She was named by Fierce CMO as a woman to watch in B2B marketing in 2014. She received Top Digital Marketer of the Year Award in 2013 and was named one of the top 25 digital marketers in 2012 by B2B Magazine. And she was also on iMedia's 10 Hottest Digital Marketers list in 2013. So it is safe to say that Petra is one to watch, and she's got a lot of wisdom to share with us today. Welcome, Petra! Thank you, Carrie. Wonderful to be here. <laughs> Yay! I'm so excited to have you on the show, and, and we've been uh, friends for a long time. I've followed your career, and I would love, you know, I kind of know some of the, the later half of the story of your career, but I would love to know how you got your start and how your career evolved into the social and digital space. Oh, thank you. That's a great question. I love telling that story because I actually started out with social just playing around on my own. You know, I wasn't doing it for work. I was just experimenting with things like, um, you know, Second Life and things like um, some of those don't even exist anymore, right? Yeah, Second Life was going to be like the biggest thing ever. I remember that. Yeah, 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 exactly. And then I actually got into LinkedIn. So I think LinkedIn was kind of the first social channel for me that I really stuck with, and I'm still a big, you know, LinkedIn user, but that was the first one that I started really, really using. And then when I went back to Cisco in 2007, I was in more of a uh, traditional marketing communications role, and that was the time that some of the blogs and some of the social media, the newer platform social media, uh, started really coming up. So I always looked at social media as part of, of, as a way to increase my reach, to, to get the word out, to engage with people. So I immediately started looking for ways to include social media in the activities that I was doing. And I had the great opportunity to be the Marcom person, one of the Marcom people working on this high-profile launch for the company back in 2007, 2008 timeframe. So I kind of got exposed to social media through work, um, during that entire process, and I've just really embraced it after that. So I embraced it to the point that I actually started looking at opportunities within Cisco where I started seeing different groups inside the company starting to experiment with social media, so we started sharing some best practices. There were a lot of practices inside the company, but no real known best practices. We were kind of 
No, I wouldn't say duplicating work because that's not the right way to put it. But, you know, we were reaching out to different vendors, trying to partner with them. And we didn't really have a, a, a scale, of, you know, economies of scale to take advantage of the best opportunities out there. So right around the time um, I found out about this new group that was just starting to form, and I basically created my own role. So based on the experiences that I, I had and the things that I saw happening at Cisco at the time, I went to the person who was going to be the leader of that organization, and I basically built a business case for my role. And I pitched the idea to her, and I said, if you hired me to be on your team, this is what I would do, and this is how I would do it, and can I come work for you? And that's pretty much how I started. (laughs) Petra, I love that story about creating your own role. And so do you think in a large organization that's something that you can and should have the confidence to do? Is that something that you would recommend? And if so, what steps would you take? Oh, absolutely. Um, I would say, you know, lead with listening. And I'm not saying anything that social people out there don't know, right? We always say in social media, lead with listening. That's true for an internal organization as well. So I just started listening. I started observing. I started seeing opportunities and I started seeing gaps. And I was using those gaps and those opportunities to create a compelling story and to create a way for people to start understanding why what I would like to do would be helpful for the company. And approaching people about that, you know, networking inside your company and trying to find who the people are that would be open to those ideas. So I would say start with listening, really understand what the gaps and opportunities are, come with a solution or some ideas that you think could help the company, really approaching it from a business perspective, how it's going to help the business. And then networking and finding those people that can help you get there. Absolutely. So tell me about the position that you pitched and then how you began your role. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I start, the first time I pitched the idea, it was more around consulting services, bringing together those different best practices around the company, and, and kind of starting to centralize that. So in a way, it was the initial phases of, I would, I would say, maybe a Center of Excellence or Social Business, Um, so that was kind of in its embryonic stage, um, I would say, and um, I just started doing some of those activities, so people quickly started reaching out to me for best practices, can you help me with this program and that program, I started connecting different groups and organizations inside the company because I quickly realized that I myself could not scale to help Everyone. So I basically created an enablement program for the company where we could quickly and easily share best practices and accelerate the learning curve of other teams inside the company. So that was one way. And then I started seeing other opportunities where, for example, I talked about uh, vendors a little bit, where a lot of people were reaching out to different vendors. So all of a sudden, different groups were working, were working with different vendors and different people. So I tried to figure out a way to bring that expertise to the company in a more organized fashion where we can also take advantage of economies of scale. So that was kind of the second area. And then I started looking at, well, you know, we should also be doing social media and not just consult and and train and enable people, but we should also be doing um, some of the social media. So I started uh, running some programs or getting involved in some programs. Uh, it got to the point where at the at, towards my career at Cisco, towards the end of my career at Cisco, I was overseeing the digital brand campaign uh, for the company that brought together the digital, the social, the web, the mobile, 
uh, the content, the different aspects of, of the digital journey for um, you have to go through uh, or, or send customers through for a campaign. And so it was all very exciting. And then I started seeing, even in my role, as I was evolving it, I started seeing additional opportunities, such as the customer advocacy program, employee advocacy programs, and things like that. So I just started building the case and launching these programs and evolving them over time. And so, Petra, tell me a little bit. I know that there are a lot of marketers who struggle with the concept of social media for B2B marketing. And I know that you have been a champion of social media for B2B marketing. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the success that you've seen with that and just as a whole, why you think social media works for B2B marketers? I think, you know, there's definitely a blurring line between a person's personal life and a person's professional life. And a lot of the things were, that are coming to B2B are actually starting in the B2C space. Right, um, we are a consumer, and we are also an employee of a company. So these two sides are starting to come together. And I'm—I said this before. You know, I'm—I'm I'm a big believer in listening. So really, starting to understand what the conversations are that are taking place online, and using those insights um, that you can bring back to your organization to inform your strategy, whether it's something around a, a business. A launch that you're going to do. It's something about content that you want to create. It's, it's something about engagement with a um, an advocate or an influencer or some type of a customer engagement that you want to do. So really start there and understand what people are saying about your brand in their own way, in an unfiltered way. Um, I think that's one great benefit of it. The other one is um, also gathering some market insights, if you will, because with listening, People are talking about things that you may, you know, it may not be about you, but it might be relevant to the topic and to the conversations that are interesting to you and, and that you want to address as well. So really starting there and using that intelligence to weave into your strategy, because that will help you become more relevant and it will help you become more focused and more targeted. So I, I, I know a lot of people still talk about social media in terms of this being a great amplification tool, and I'm not arguing with that. I don't disagree with that, but I think there's a lot more to it. It's also about gathering that insight and bringing that insight back and also enabling the conversations for other people. So it's not really all about you. I totally agree with you, and I loved your lead with listening piece. Um, I have a question for you about listening at scale. How do you take all of the noise that's happening out there and turn that listening and that kind of lots and lots of microdata into insights? What are some some ways that you do that? And you seem like somebody who really understands social listening. How do you take that and develop actions? That is a that is a really good question because you know we keep talking about tools and the tools we have out there are great, but obviously you have to program the tools. You have to figure out from a business standpoint what are the things you want to listen to. But we cannot underestimate the manpower and and the, the human resources that it takes to actually dissect that data and mm -hmm. make sense of it. So we you know we have um, just in general I would say. You know, you definitely want to have those data analysts or data scientists, whether they're on your team or you're working with an agency to help bring that intelligence and bring that data analysis back to your organization. I would say that's one critical component. But the other critical component, I would say, is what happens um, to that data. 
because um, there's two things that typically happen. One is there are certain things that you can use that data for to take immediate action on. So these are, I would call, listen to respond, right? So you have to have SMEs, subject matter experts, lined up. You have to have an SME network inside your company that when you find out about something through listening, then you can pass that on to the appropriate people that can take action, close mm. the loop. That's one aspect of it. But there's also another aspect to listening, which I like to call, you know, listen to inform strategy, which is something that is more on the business level. So it's not necessarily about having the SMEs jump in and close the loop on the conversations, but it's really that listening to, to understand, right? So getting those insights and then packaging them up and getting those insights to the right people within your organization, um, product management, engineering, sales, you know, different types of people within your organization that can then take that piece of information and articulate a plan and action based on that. I love that. I love the two forms of listening that you mentioned, and listening to respond and with social, uh, subject matter experts, and then listening to determine strategy. I think those are two key pieces that often aren't separated, and I think that that that's very enlightening for our community. And so tell me about, you went from Cisco and you went over to Siemens. And Siemens, you must have had a whole different slew of challenges in terms of regulatory, right, since it's in a healthcare space. Yes, yes. And I'm so glad you asked that question. Um, I went from Cisco to Siemens, and healthcare is highly regulated. But believe it or not, people are actually talking in social media um, about um, healthcare. And that was one of the first things that I said. Um, we went to a trade show and I said, I just want to pay attention to the conversations going back to the listening topic. And I don't want to, you know, have, I don't want this whole conversation to be about listening. But that's what I try to show the right. value of. I try to say, yes, we are a regulated industry, but believe it or not, people are out there listening. And people that are our target audience within our target segment, they are out there having these conversations. And um, there is actually an initiative, and I'm just going to talk about the radiologist community right now because I'm not completely familiar with all of the different um, healthcare sectors that are out there, but there is an initiative, at least in the U.S., where they're really trying to get the word out and they're really trying to use social media. And if you're looking at their usage year over year, you see that it's tremendously increasing and it's going to continue to increase over, increase over time. So... Um, you know, starting with that and bringing those insights back, and I put that in front of the management team, and I said, look, these are all the activities that were happening around this particular event that we attended, and these are the things that were said, and these are the different things that, you know, we could consider, and that was very eye-opening for people. So I think just really starting to understand that these two worlds, the, the somebody's consumer and personal life and the professional life, are really starting to merge and, and come together. So the things that you're doing in your personal life, now you're starting to do them more and more in your professional life as well. So obviously there are rules and regulations, and I know the FDA and healthcare institutions are, and government agencies are looking at social media more closely. But the thing is, it's, it's, it's a shift, it's a change that's happening, and it's just a matter of time. And it sounds like it's so much more for you, at least in the healthcare space, about uh, what you hear than what you say. I think it's a combination of both because there are certain things that you can and there are certain things you cannot say, right? Um, but there are things that you can say too. You know, it, you just have to be careful. And mm -hmm. uh, the big, big difference for me was um, everything, you know, before 
putting something out in a regulated industry, you want to make sure that you're very closely aligned with your legal and regulatory teams. I, I always think that you should have a good relationship with your legal and regulatory department regardless. Yes. But in a regulated industry, it's even more so important that they understand what you're trying to do um, and, and you train them and help them see the value of what you're doing and then really turn them and make them your ally to help achieve what you need to achieve from a business standpoint. Absolutely. And so from Siemens, you came to Polycom. So tell me a little bit about the social strategy of Polycom and what you're brought there to do. So I just started with Polycom a couple of months ago. So I, I you know, I, unfortunately I can talk deeply yep. and in a lot of detail about uh, what I'm doing there. But one of the things that um, is, is part of my charter is that whole social business aspect of it, which I built that at Cisco. You know, I, I started doing um, some of that work, obviously, at, at Siemens as well, but really starting to build that social business um, part out for the company. That's wonderful and very exciting. And so tell me a little bit about how you go about, let's say you're in a company and you are a social lady, and you're thinking about how you might really want to get the C-suite or get people at the top to really understand the aspect of social business. Would you, and the concept of social business, would you start uh, by listening and start by presenting that data from listening? How would you approach it? I think there needs to be a combination of, of things here. Um, the first one is, you know, to really understand what it is that the C-suite cares about, right? Um, because, you you know, they're going to be more receptive to anything that you're trying to do if you're speaking their language. So really understanding what it is that you're that they care about and starting to show examples of that. So a lot of evangelism, evangelism, evangelism with case studies, success stories. I also do believe in pilots. So maybe just running a pilot and show the results of it. Um, what we did the first time, for example, when I was at Cisco, the first time we did this launch that I was telling you about, um, we took a launch that was done in a traditional way, and then we took a launch that was done with this new way of doing launches with social media and online marketing incorporated. And we were able to sh show with real data how much more successful um, the other way was. So, you know, looking at before and after um, case studies, comparisons, and really speaking the C-suite's language. That's one thing. The other thing, too, is finding an executive champion inside the company. Mm. Even the most conservative companies, they always have those one or two people that just want to try something different, that just want to try something new. So going back to the whole idea of networking inside your company and really trying to understand who the people are that are or that one person is who can potentially become your advocate, can become your champion, that can also champion that with his or her peers, the other executives, that also goes a long way. At Cisco, when I was there, you know, we created this uh, training program, and our entire social media training program 
basically had two approaches. One was from the bottom up, which is training the employees and enabling the employees. And then at the same time, we were doing it from the top down as well. So we were training our executives, Mm. doing reverse mentoring with them, going to our executives through their executive communications managers and things like that. So, you know, you have to make the executives be part of the equation. I love that. The training up is as important as training down, I think, is really key. Now, for you personally, I know you've won a ton of awards. I rattled off some of them beforehand. Do you recommend applying for and going after these types of awards to help become known in the kind of industry? Do you think that that's helped you? That's a very good question. Um, I would say I, I've never went into, I never go into applying for an award because i want to be known in the industry. You mm-hmm. know, that was, for me, that was never the driving factor, and it, ne- it does not continue to be the driving factor for me. And some of the awards, I feel like I just got lucky because some of the awards I actually did not apply for. I got nominated for mm. them by other people, you know. So um, I, what my goal was with applying for some of these awards that we did apply for with the team, I just wanted to get the word out. I just wanted to get the word out about, you know, this is something that people should start incorporating and should start looking at more strategically and collectively and cohesively. So for me, it was a way to just raise awareness of the possibilities of social media or digital media or, you know, whatever that might be. Um, It wasn't, for me at least, it wasn't about me as much as just, raising the awareness that, yes, this is possible. When I got the first award at that time, there was still a lot of questions about, is this really something that's valid? Is this really something that, that's going to be here? You know, And there was a lot of questions around, how do we even go about doing something like this? So um, like I said, that's really what was the motivating factor for me. And I also have to say, some of the awards that I applied for, I didn't even think we could win. Mm. (laughs) So I was really surprised when we did. (laughs) I love it. And so would you recommend for somebody who's having success with their company and is really proud of their work that they apply for this stuff? Because it it, it sounds like it gives not just recognition to the person, which is kind of a secondary or tertiary goal, but overall gives recognition to the validity of social in the industry, right? I think so. I think we're always, you know, at a point where we want to improve and I think that, you know, when we, we push the boundaries and we figure out different ways, I think it's really good for the industry to find out about those things. It's wonderful. So other people can start incorporating them as well. And so, Petra, what other advice would you have for somebody who's kind of want, really wants to get into the field of social media um, and wants to start their career to aspire to be like a future you? What would you recommend? Oh, boy. <laughs> 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 That's a good question. Uh, you're very sweet for saying that. Well, it's true. <laughs> I I think I would say, you know, even as a social media person, never lose sight of the big picture. Because social media is not about how many fans you have or how many followers you have. But what are you really driving for the business? What are you really driving in terms of business goals? So never lose sight of the fact that social media should not be done in an isolation or not, should not be done in isolation. It should be done in conjunction with other things so you can achieve your business goals. And social media should be a tool, should be a way to help you achieve the business goals even better than you could before. 
So don't get stuck into the only social media way. Look at the big picture and use social media to help with that big picture. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today, Petra. We were really excited to have you on. And if people want to follow you, they should follow you at Petra1400. That's it. You're still the same. I love that. And I love that you've kept your Twitter handle the whole time through your whole career journey. It's been incredible to watch you grow. And I wish you nothing but success at Polycom. Really excited to see what's next. Thank you so much, Carrie. And thank you so much for having me on the show. Of course. You've been listening to All the Social Ladies with Carrie Kerpin, CEO of Likeable Media. You can follow Carrie on Twitter, at Carrie Kerpin. To get current social media insights and great tips, sign up for Carrie's weekly newsletter by emailing newsletter at likeable.com.